welcome back to another episode of Mostly Ghostly. I'm your co-host, Matthew, and we have my other co-host over here of the show, Ray. Ray, how are you doing? Not bad, not bad. How about you? Not too bad. Not too bad. We've been getting some snow. We've been getting hit with a lot of snow. You know, feels like every episode we're talking, we're opening up talking about the snow that we just got. You know, it's craziness. Um, we hope everybody's doing well out there, over there in podcast world and, and listenerhood, listenerville over there. Um, you know, the season's been kicking, uh, kicking ass, taking names as far as I can hear, as far as my opinion, but I have a biased opinion. Um, last, last week's episode was uh, Death Comes Threefold, you know, it's a good time, like outside the box type of theme, you know what I mean? We thought it'd be kind of cool to kind of reach a little little distance uh, for something you don't really hear talked about that much, and th- the Death Comes in Threes whole thing was definitely one of those weird, mysterious things, you know. So with keeping with the fun, kind of fresh themes that we hope are fun and fresh, um, today we wanted to tap a little bit into... Some uh, some suicidal songs, if you will. You know, we want to talk about some songs. You know, everybody knows music is a very, very powerful thing. You know what I mean? They often call it magic itself, whereas, you know, you can't see it. Uh, you know what I mean? And you can't physically put your hand in it and touch it. But you can feel it. It goes into you. It makes you feel things. It make you feel happy. make you feel sad. You know, there's talks of there being different frequencies where you could control minds. You could do all types of devious things. Um, but, you know, everybody, everybody's got that song and that they know that as soon as that hits the radio or the CD player or the record player or the old MP3 player, they know that that song's going to give them a special feel. Um, maybe it's a, you know... And it's not always a good special feel. It could be a sad special feel. It could be something that reminds them of bad times, somebody who is no longer with us. Um, and from that, bring into um, sad vibes. So as we, as we dive into this week's episode and theme uh, of these songs, you know, some of the songs that we know that ha- have almost a curse to them, if you will, you know what I mean? They carry a burden on their shoulders. Um, some songs just coincidentally, some songs were kind of destined out there to be negative energies. You know what I mean? Uh, I believe that we, we waggly talked about on the show once and I heard once somewhere before that there's an actual song out there that, um, if you sing this song that it can like possess you. Have you ever heard anything like that, Ray? Well, you have a lot of uh, historically in different cultures, you have a lot of chants. Yeah. And uh, if you look at any ritual, including dark rituals, they include chants and the chants and the vibrations are to summon. And uh, some of them open yourself up for that possession. So uh, song or music, beats, chants, uh, they've been used for a long while to be able to bridge the gap between this world and another one and open up uh, portals or pathways. Um, there's something called shamanic drumming, which is 120 beats a minute. And if you do that, and I've done it, um, 
what happens is the brain after a while, you kind of cancel out your normal uh, way of thinking. And what it does, is it just opens you up. Yeah. You start going, going places and experiencing things, which is why it's called shamanic drumming. I wouldn't suggest anybody try it on their own, uh, but supervise. And it's, it's a good way to get a peek into worlds beyond the one we're currently in. And yeah, that's all music. It's all sound. It's all vibration. It's all energy. And there's nothing to say that that can't happen. And I believe it does with songs that you listen to on the radio that uh, people put out there, whether it's on purpose or not. Um, they're tapping into something that's very potent, has been for uh, thousands of years. Yeah, I mean, to go back to the previous episode, um, one of the previous episodes we talked about, you had your opinion of you think that if somebody actually felt willed and wanted to die enough in their head that they could actually make their fit body physically die. You know, it's kind of along the same lines of that. Yeah, it is. I did some work with the Sacred Sound Institute, uh, did some recordings for them of different songs that they put together from all over the world. And um, this was, oh, probably about 15 years ago. And the difference was they were all, that was all positive. But for everything positive, there's a negative side, and that includes the songs and the energies that it brings. It's like shaman beatboxing. You know what I mean? Now, I know shaman beatboxing. Beat I, ne I never heard about. I never heard it put that way. That's that. That's interesting. We need a t-shirt. Mostly, ghostly needs a t-shirt that's a shaman beatboxing with like a shaman looking like Notorious B.I.G. All big fat with the gold chain. I'm digging it. You know what I mean? But I mean, what do you think when you said that, that, you know, you wouldn't suggest people doing it? What, what, what about that, you know, is dangerous? You know, the thing is with the, the, the way you're hitting your chest and the breathing you're doing, you think that it could be, you know, maybe it, you, something happens where, you know, you, you get you know, your lung, a lung situation, get caught up in a breath. <laughs> I know that there's, if you hit your heart at a certain time a certain pump like i know you can stop your heart i know that so is that the danger in it that you're talking about i uh, know the shabonic drumming is done on a drum what it does is it opens the brain up so you are susceptible if you're not if it's not done uh, properly to outside influences and influences from other dimensions or the spirit world okay you think it has like a physical could physically damage you or I don't think so, but I think that mentally or spiritually, if you're not ready for it and you haven't prepared, you haven't uh, don't have someone there who um, has taken the proper precautions. It's similar to when you do a sweat lodge. You have a uh, firekeeper who heats the stones and passes them in, but the firekeeper is also the one that prays for the ones inside and protect forms like a protective barrier. Because those undergoing the sweat lodge are vulnerable. They're open. And it's the same with the shamanic drumming. You need someone there who knows what's going on to be able to protect those who are taking part in it because they are now open to influences that uh, are not of this world, basically. <coughs> it's in, That's very interesting stuff, you know, with the, it's like a meditation, a drumming, a mm, coming from it, you know, the breathing, the, the noises, uh, you know, there's a lot of cultures that do that, the beating on the chest to make different noises, you know what I mean? Yeah, and uh, the, the drumming itself, the vibration of it is is uh, what opens you up, what kind of changes the frequency of your mind, or the vibration going in your mind so that uh, 
you become able to uh, access these other worlds. Uh, that's why it's called shamanic uh, drumming. Yeah. So we'll jump back into the theme real quick. Um, you know, when we're talking about all these dark songs and, you know, you think you think that a song could it be could be cursed with the dark energy that follows it? Ray, what's your personal opinion on that? I think so. I think that it could come about several ways if they've structured the music, probably unaware, so that the uh, vibrations and the beat uh, opens the person up. Uh, It could be on purpose as far as the words go, the wording, um, to lead a person person down a path, combine those two, the music and the words together, and they can put you in a mental state that you're open to doing something uh, very negative either to another person or to yourself. Yeah. You have to go, uh, the power of words, I mean, even if you're taking a Judeo-Christian thing, uh, at first there was the word, and the word... And then after that, everything came into being. The idea that words have power. Right. Uh, You invoke using words. Well, those words are vibrations. And certain words carry certain vibrations and power with them. And once you start incorporating those into the sound, then, uh, yeah, you're having the potential there to kind of make a person vulnerable or rearrange uh, their mental condition. Uh, what their state of mind is. Well, yeah, you can say you've, you know, music possesses people in a, in, in a certain way. When you see it, you can see it change moods. You see people, you know, run dancing. They hit a, hear a song they like, whoop, they're up, they're dancing. You know what I mean? Um, that's kind of like a possession thing a little bit. You know what I mean? But it works, it works the other way too. I mean, you, you get someone who is, uh, let's say someone uh, lost the uh, their significant other, their soulmate. Right. And they hear they hear a favorite song. At one time, that favorite song, when the person was with them, was something that uh, made them feel good. Mm. Now it drags them right down. True. Now it now it makes them feel low. And it's yeah, it is it is the song, it is the music, it is the vibration and the emotion that we put behind it. What do you think makes music so powerful? <coughs> Just the, the feeling that we put into it. You know, you think you think that it comes from somewhere dark in general. You know, when, when it first popped on the scene, do you think there was a lot of naysayers that were trying to say it was it was the devil's tool? I think a lot of a lot of when it first came on the scene, and if you're going back to Arab, Aboriginal cultures, mm-hmm. uh, a lot of it was all involved involved in ritual. Yeah, and that could be a blessing, or that could be uh, a curse. Mm-hmm. It could be either one. And it eventually transitioned out of that as into a form of entertainment. But it really started very ritualistic. Uh, people didn't go around just singing songs. Um, they were all tied into something significant and what the tribe of the people believed. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy. Um, yeah, this was, uh, I mean... So popping back into the theme a little bit. Um, during all of our research, we, could, we there was one song that we kind of think kicked off the whole deal, the whole granddaddy of uh, suicidal songs. You know, this is a song that was um, banned, uh, banned for 66 years. You know what I mean? Um, I think there's got like a, like a, there's a body count of over 100 on it or something like that. People are just found with, 
clutching, you know, musical papers with the musical notes on it, people putting parts of it in their suicide letters. Um, you know, it has kind of a dark history with it, which we'll get into. Um, that song, of course, is Gloomy Sunday. You know what I mean? Um, been redone a few times, I believe. I know Billy uh, Billy Holiday did a did a um, a take on it, but um, you know, Gloomy Sunday. I'll, I'll, I'll kick a little verse for you, real quick. A little a lyric from it. Uh, Gloomy is Sunday with shadows. I spend it all. My heart and I have decided to end it all. Soon there will be candles and prayers that are sad. I know. Let them not weep. Let them know that I'm glad to go. Death is no dream, for in death I'm caressing you. With the last breath of my soul, I'll be blessing you. Now this song, uh, of course, is that's love. Only love can make you write some lyrics like that. Um, so, uh, you know, we'll get into the whole deal real quick. Uh, Gloomy Sunday was written by a Hungarian pianist and composer, Rezko Saras, in 1932. He was a 34-year-old struggling songwriter. It is said that after his girlfriend left him, he became so depressed that he wrote Gloomy Sunday. Some say that the song Saras wrote was a description of war and the final destruction of the world. He put his sorrows and his disappointment in the song with all his heart and soul. The music alone is very depressing and sad, which it is. Uh, I peeped it. Uh, certain places had warnings before the song, which was funny. Of how you should not listen to this. Uh, then came the mournful lyrics written by uh, Laszlo Javor. It is said that Javor's suicidal girlfriend inspired the song. The song was first recorded by Pal Kamar in 1935 in Hungarian. According to this song, the actor wants to commit suicide after his lover's death to reunite them together. In 1936, the song was recorded in English by Hal Kemp, whose lyrics uh, were written by Sam M. Lewis. The lyrics of Lewis's song clearly referred to suicide. Later, the song was called the Hungarian Suicide Song. Well, that, that's, that, that carries such a great note to it. Don't you want to be the writer of the Hungarian Suicide Song? Um, there are legends that many people committed suicide after listening to this song. And in the 1930s, there are press reports that link the song with at least 19 suicides, both in Hungary and the United States. Legends say that the people who committed suicide were having a piece of sheep music in their hands or some quoted lyrics of the song in their suicide notes, like I said before. Some say that people listened to that song again and again and again and again and then killed themselves. Uh, two men shot themselves hearing the, hearing the band to play the song. Interesting. Uh, the song was banned in Hungary in the early 40s. BBC banned the lyrics of the song as they were disturbing the public. You know, this dude's got to have that notch on his belt, too, for anybody that does any type of uh, edgy art can appreciate getting your stuff banned for disturbing the public. That's quite a badge of honor. Uh, later, only the instrumental versions were allowed to play on the radio. It is said that certain outlets in the U.S. also refused to play the song as they feared that the song was responsible for the suicides. According to the legends, more than 100 people committed suicide after listening to Gloomy Sunday. 
Many suicide stories are shared on the internet. One of the stories about an SS guard who asked the violinist to play the song for him one evening. The guard asked him to play the song again and again. The guard then walked to the balcony and shot himself. Another story is a, wo- a woman in London. She listened to the song again and again and took an overdose of drugs. An overdose of drugs. Suress himself, uh, a composer and writer, committed suicide on the 13th of January, almost a, almost a little uh, anniversary um, of 1968. He jumped from his apartment building. Some said that the success of Gloomy Sunday had left him depressed. Probably as broke as shit too, because back in the day, those are they all died broke unless they had some type of weird deal. Um, it's, it's as bad as it is now with the record deals. You know, they're check out. You want how bad I guess a record deal? Check out Behold the Pill podcast latest episode of about Sam Cook. Uh, he had this gentleman had hope had lost all hope of creating another beautiful song. Uh, his last thoughts were. I stand in the midst of this deadly success as an accused man. This fatal fame hurts me. I cried all of the disappointments of my heart into this song. And it seems that others with failings like mine have found their own hurt in it. Well, that's kind of art in itself, isn't it, Ray? It is. I think that if you just take a look and go back to the origin of that song uh, yeah. and the composer and the suicidal girlfriend, um, that song was written with a lot of negativity and negative energy put into it. Right. So it started off that way. And uh, it just picked up energy and momentum as time went by, as more and more people uh, gave energy and gave their, took their lives and gave more of the negative to the song. Um, they just fed that song. and uh, But the origins itself kind of tells you where it uh where it got that first bit of darkness and uh what what it was doing and anybody also drawn to it uh might be either out of curiosity or they were feeling kind of dark themselves and that song just kind of sucked them in and they uh went along went along with it to the extreme which is the suicide and then, you know, some people claim that it was him describing uh, war, the description of war and the end of the world type stuff. You know, they, they, they even it might even have been him doing that. But I feel like towards the end, he was kind of trying to get out of the shadow of that song, maybe trying to n- not maybe take some of this, the, 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 the curse or the burden of this, the sadness away from it by saying that it's more. You know, even though all that other stuff's tragic, too, but just saying that it's not the same thing all these people are killing themselves over, you know what I mean? It's this different thing. And in, like, an attempt to try and, you know, almost clean up the image a little bit, you know? Oh, yeah, he's trying to distance himself from his creation, uh, coming up with another reason or excuse there. But uh, the bottom line is he started it in that negative place, and uh, he created that negativity. And uh, it just took off, took a life of its own and took off. The biopic is coming from Boombastic Films the summer of 2027. I would love to see this movie. This would be a cool movie to make. Nice tragic ending everybody will enjoy. I wonder what song you'll end the movie with. Ooh, I wonder. Wow. 
But uh, it's one of those deals, you know. So we, uh, with that, we pop into some other songs that have kind of been known for being um, a little tough. You know, the first song that always pops in my head is a song called Suicide is Painless. Um, Robert Altman's son wrote it. I forget the son's name right off the top of the head. Um, but I know the fun story behind you. anybody out there that, that feels confident in their, in their, in their mental, mental health to go listen to these songs and not take the, the plunge, uh, do so. But the song is probably the, the darkest. When I think of what the darkest song of all time ever recorded is in my mind, I always think of this song. Um, suicide is painless. It brings on many changes. Um, and it's, it's sung to the tune of MASH because the whole song was written. They needed a song for MASH. Um, the son was like, what, what, you know, son of a director, probably hanging around the house all day, thinking of what, what the future will be like playing video games, what his great-grandchildren will do. Um, and I think Robert Allman was pretty much like, look, you got to do something. Like, you need to, you know, we make these movies do something on the movie, you know, and write a song. You like music, write a song and you know, your royalties will, will buy you your weed and stuff. And I won't have to buy you your weed anymore. And so the kid wrote this song call and they, they you know, devastating. Like you listen to the song and it's like ridiculous. I heard this song later in life. My mind was blown that this thing was even released. That's how dark it kind of is. It's about Vietnam. Um, so about soldiers killing themselves and it's like very this is the most pro suicide song i've ever heard in my life and i've heard like comedy pro suicide songs and this song the seriousness of it and the tone is so hor- horrifyingly like dark um very are you familiar with this song i'm familiar with it um when you talk when you are talking about uh war and you're talking about the horrors of it and the yeah. people that um don't survive it through suicide um and the beat of the song is actually almost upbeat yeah the, the words are not right and you're investing a lot of trauma and energy into that song uh where you're praising suicide and it's a very sad thing that comes out of war and people who have, uh, let's say, uh, have been to war, even those who haven't, that have seen a lot of tragedy, uh, that song is perfect to appeal for them, in, to them, and influence them to take that final step. Yeah. Uh, and it's built all around in a very pleasant tune, though, but it's all built all around tragedy. And uh, that tragedy of war and people killing themselves it, itself is a very negative energy to have in any song for sure <clears throat> i mean it's a catchy good song that's what's most dangerous about it you know what i mean is that and for anybody else there that's a little lost on this if you know the tv show mash the theme song is is the music without the lyrics uh, much like how cheers actually has a uh has a, has a longer, like the, the, the Cheers theme song, that's a, that's a piece of a longer cut with more lyrics to it. Um, which those lyrics, I want to say, get a little weird towards the end. The stuff cut, cut out of the Cheers theme song, I want to say, is a little weird stuff in it. But um, 
Yeah, no, I'm I'm agreeing with you. But with the yeah, this jam, it's like it, it's dark. Anybody out there that wants to take a walk on the wild side, check out "Suicide Is Painless." Uh, I forget oh, it's Altman's son. You just type that in, you'll get it. Dark song. Um, don't go too deep into it. You know what I mean. Another song we have up on up on the rack is uh, "Free Bird" by Leonard Skinner. You know, this is one of those. I'm free like a bird now. You know what I mean? Uh, this is one of those jams. I think a lot of people sat on pickup trucks with a bottle of Jimmy Bean. And then after they polished off that bottle, they polished off the top of their neck with a shotgun, took their head off. Um, I think it's one of those vibes or like, it's one of those songs, you know, it's just, you listen to it. And it's a beautiful song. You know what I mean? Um, and it's very dark. You know what I mean? It's one of those songs that are just dark with within itself. You know what I mean? Um, yeah. And I, you know, I remember I was at a wake once and they were going to play free bird. The person who passed away wanted them to play free bird. And I remember the funeral home, like they didn't have batteries for the boom box. And I remember thinking that was really fucked up. Like you, you only get to wake somebody once. You think that the funeral home would keep extra fucking batteries and they're, you know what I mean? Like, you know, the Dollar Tree, you get fucking batteries for a buck. I always thought that was kind of bogus. Like, uh, I don't know, man. I felt like that's, that's almost something worth having words with over because you better believe they would have an issue with you being a penny short on whatever you give them. Um, that, that gigantic check. Uh Oh, that gigantic check of money that uh, they got brewing over there. Um, that they get gigantic amounts of loot for waking people up and they can't even buy Dollar Tree batteries. It's terrible. Um, but yeah, Freebird. Ray, what's your take on Freebird and being a sad song? I think one possibility and uh, is that deception. Uh, yeah. You take the last song and you take this song and songs which can either be presented as light or can actually in some ways be beautiful. But you have a darkness in there that is hiding in the pleasantness or the beauty of the song. Yeah. And that darkness is reaching out to trap people and bring them in to, uh, let's say it might be independent of the artist, but as we noted, there is evil and darkness out there and it will use any means that it can to destroy people. Yeah. And it can, it can use music and the musician themselves are unaware of it. And the best way to do that is to make it pleasant to hear and tap into people that are vulnerable, those who are depressed and those who are suicidal. And you're targeting them in something that sounds uh, pleasant, but actually as a message and a negative energy that draws them to step over that line. And uh, Free Bird is one song that can do that. What's your opinion on an artist that would sacrifice maybe the souls and lives of their fans for, for fame? Like a, like a pact with the devil type deal. Um, they're a very weak person. And they really don't care about anything for themselves. And that's why they would be uh, able to or willing to make make that deal with the uh, darkness to uh, secure their fame. How common do you think that is? I think we unknowingly people may do that. Um, 
when they turn their back on anything good and when they turn they turn to something dark because it's the only way that they see themselves as getting ahead. And uh, the darkness itself kind of feeds that feeling and draws them away from the positive and pushes them in the darkness and they push the darkness out onto other people. It may be inadvertent or they may choose to do that. I'm yeah. going to walk a dark path. I'm going to use those powers. I'm going to gain what I want in this physical world. And they ignore that uh, this physical world is only a temporary thing. And there's a whole lot more and something a lot bigger afterwards. Yeah, no, I'm with you on that. It's a dark deal. And it's almost like, you know, there's certain artists that you almost feel like would do that. There's certain artists that caught himself in a lot of hot water this week um, for other things. But I was, he was very dark. We'll call him a very dark Marilyn Manson guy. You know, and his, his name's Marilyn Manson. His performing name is Marilyn Manson. And um, he's a dude that I almost wouldn't put if I if 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 in his books or whatever he wrote that he did that that he tried to make a pact with with the Deval for uh, not Deval Patrick but the the other Deval um, tried to make a deal and say you know hey give me I'll give me everything I ever want and I'll, I'll I'll you know I'll condemn and I'll destroy these these teenagers' minds and I'll get them to be negative and I'll. Deal them over to you on a silver platter, so to speak. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I bet that happens a lot more. I bet there it's more often. I think it's more of a common thing, and I think it's more. Even if it's um, success is never gained, I think it probably happens a lot more. I think there's a lot of people that are in the dark, in dark rooms, are trying to make little deals with with whoever will listen. You know what I mean? I think it's one of those things where they're just kind of openly saying it. It's almost one of those things where you open up a door, never open up a door because you don't know what will come through type deal. I think it's almost them not knowing who to address, but standing in a dark room saying, hey, I will do whatever it needs to be done, including this, that, and the other thing. And I don't care about anybody. I just want, I want fortune and fame. You know what I mean? I think that's very common. And it might not be directed at, you know, the devil, so to speak, but. Uh, to whom it may concern, for sure. You know what I mean? It gets a big stamp on that letter. Yeah. Well, that's, that's kind of something like um, just saying and believing that or wanting that. Yeah. Is opening uh, a door that you really don't know what you're getting into. It's kind of like, and we've talked in the past about using a Ouija board. You don't know what's on the other side. And though you may not have signed a contract in your blood, that darkness on the other side may have tapped you because you opened that door. Right. And now you are doing the evil and now you are going down the path you can't get out of. Yeah. It's trouble. You know, next up, this is a song. This is a song about hurt. Um, the song hurt. Uh, originally Trent Reznor wrote, for a Nine Inch Nails song. And then later, the great Johnny Cash did a cover of it. Uh, both songs, equally sad, depressing. Um, Johnny Cash, I think, personally, even outdid him, myself. Uh, but yeah, Hurt. Are you familiar with the song Hurt? I hurt myself today to see if I still feel. I think that's the lyric. It was the, it came out originally mid nineties. Johnny Cash redid it, 
2000, maybe three, four, five, six, somewhere in there. <clears throat> it was his last big hit before he passed. He blew the fuck up. He did it. He did his last five albums where he did it with Rick Rubin, super producer of like the Beastie Boys and Slayer and <clears throat> a bunch of cool acts. Um, yeah, he did the last five Johnny Cash albums he produced and they did it. The whole, the, the five albums are there's some originals in there, I think, but it's mainly covers and stuff like that. Great. Uh, anybody that likes music should definitely tap into them. I'm a vinyl person myself. I like that crisp sound. And uh, like a year and a half ago, I went and I got all those last albums on brand new vinyl and they fucking sound so incredible. It's like Johnny Cash is plucking away in the room with you. It's beautiful. Which is a dream come true, of course, to have Johnny Cash plucking away in the room with me. Me and Ray were talking about the good old days of of life before COVID, where you can go to see concerts and stuff. And Ray seen a whole bunch of cool acts. And we talked about uh, JC used to come down by me. Um, I was a little too young at the time. And then there was times where I guess I wasn't that young. Could have done it, maybe. Should have. Um, but it would come around locally. But hurt. Oh, my God. You listen to this song. Oh, there's so much. There's so much hurt in this song. You know what I mean? You feel the pain. It's one of those life songs. It's one of those songs about just living a life, getting to the end of it. And they have a very dark touch to it where at the end of life, you just kind of find that it's not nothing's. It's just hurt. You know what I mean? Like. There's differentness that you can look at. You can look at life two different ways, of course, in a positive and negative. Um, and I get all depends on where you're at at that point, and you know what I mean. Um, but that's definitely one of those. That's definitely one of those songs that is like it, it's an. It, you listen to it and you're like, especially the cash version, dude. It's like an old man at the end of his life, dealing with regret, and like. You know, it ain't worth everything that he has. You know, he, he's a king. Johnny Cash is quite possibly one of the greatest performers of all time, you know, musician. And, you know, so I think he's a tortured artist type deal. But Hurt is devastating, devastatingly good song. Um, we got Jeremy on here as well from Pearl Jam. You know, I always pop for this song. I'm always a gigantic fan. Um now, I believe it, you know, the whole story of a Tim Con, he goes into a bullied kid, goes into school. I believe he shoots a couple of his classmates and then kills himself in front of the class. If I remember correctly, that was the whole um, the whole thing with that. Um, so it has that suicide tie in. And in that era, you know, in that grunge era, which that grunge era was like very depressing time in music, you know, there was good music coming out, but the themes and the feel and the vibe of that era, it was grunge. It was, you know, you got, when you can't think, whenever, when I ever, I think of the grunge era, it's overshadowed by Kurt Cobain's suicide. You know what I mean? Like he was such a big part of that. And when he killed himself, I really think that was the beginning of the end of, I think that, you know, I think that, I think, Kurt Cobain's suicide is what ushered in like hip hop taking over the rock because rock and roll was like the big, the big genre for a long time. But when Kurt Cobain popped off, hip hop really kind of came in and, you know, now kind of hip hop's kind of the big deal, you know, either hip hop or country. I mean, hip hop country and pop are like the big deals I think right now, but they, yeah, they, they, they ushered, 
Kurt Cobain's death killed off like that whole deal. I feel, I think, I don't know why, but it did. You know what I mean? Um, I guess when they were regrouping from that, that's when hip hop just slid in through the door and was like, whip, we're here. And, um, and I love both styles. So I'm happy. Um, new hip hop ain't that great, but the hip hop that came in when Kurt Cobain died was good hip hop. Um, yeah, there's no hip hop suicidal songs on this. I'm sure there could be some. I know Gravediggers had a song about suicide. I think it was 1 800 Suicide or something like that. Um, but yeah, I can't, I couldn't really think of or come across any songs that hip hop jams that people listen to. And then that song helps them get into the mood of departing. You know what I mean? Um, you know, I got Hey Man, Nice Shot by Filter I put on the list. Um, good song probably filters best song of all time not really a song people listen to and then kill themselves off but the song's about bud dwyer for anybody out there that knows bud dwyer the politician uh got himself caught up i think it was what pennsylvania if i remember correctly um got himself caught up in a scandal uh, i believe it was money laundering or something like that i don't think it was a sexual scandal i think it was stealing being being corrupt you know just being your typical politician type stuff and um he, 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 right to the very end, he, he, he testified that he was, uh, he was an innocent man. And so long story short, anyway, if anybody doesn't know, he's a politician that got caught up in a scandal, went, went on the public news to go to address it. He said he was doing a press conference to address it. And in the middle of the press conference, he took, he, you know, had a little speech. Then he pulled out, you know, claimed, still claimed to be innocent, pulled out a gun and shot himself live on TV. Um, a very horrific fucking video for anybody out there that's seen the the whole thing. Um, but so the song, the song's made about that. Now that's a whole debate too. That's getting very behold the pill podcast, um, type of theme because you could, very, you could always, you could, you know, I'd love to dive into the realities of that, do some research on the Bud Dwyer thing. I think personally, he just didn't want to admit to doing it and really did it. And, him killing himself off was one of those insurance things or something that they, there's all those weird loopholes where, uh, you know, like if he killed if he died before he was convicted of it, then his family would still get the money type deal of his life insurance and his uh, pension plan and shit like that with the, with the government. And the same way they say that um, they say when Aaron Hernandez killed himself in prison, they said that that was more of a, uh, so his family could still get the payout. If you were a Patriot player and you died while being so a part of the team still, so to speak, or whatever, that you, your, your family got paid, you know, a life insurance policy from the Patriots organization worth, you know, I'm sure millions of dollars. So from what I hear is before he was actually convicted of that murder that he killed himself so he could so his family could still collect. And I think it's the same situation for both guys where both guys were guilty, but they were uh I don't know, attempting to do the, the, the right thing in their eyes for their family in, in, in the final hours. Um, but yeah, Hey Man, Nice Shot, classic jam. I always think of Tales from the Crypt, Demon Knight, every time I hear that song. But I, yeah, I want to say they filter fell off hard after that, but uh, I remember liking that song. I got one more song um, on my list. I got a few others that we could run through. Did you have any songs that you wanted to make note of? Uh, no, one thing I will say about a lot of the songs and people making them have to realize um, as an artist, they want to express something. Right. And I'll give them that. But also, 
when you have people out there who are depressed or are disturbed, mm-hmm. um, when you pour it out into a song very heavy, almost to the point of saying how wonderful it is, the, these people are going to be drawn to those songs. And, you, you, you know, you, you've got to take a look at, you know, what, how are the words going to affect somebody? And how, how am I going to match that up with music? Because someone who is ready to take that step is going to seek something out for justification. And it might be your song that they're using to justify it. I agree. And that's, that's a pretty heavy thing to do. I think in a situation like that, and when a person's about to do that and they feel like they're a lot of people are trying to belong to something bigger. Uh, and I think by you, by bringing the song into it, it kind of makes them, it makes it bit, it, it almost makes the song about them in a way, you know what I mean? It becomes such an important part of their story. You know what I mean? That's my take. I think, you know, it, it could just be the typical thing of, you know, it has special meaning. Um, and that's why, you know, then it, well, it comes into the argument real quick of, is it going to be, is it special meaning or is it something that the song actually makes them do? Ooh. Well, I think there are like, uh, there are some people out there, if they have a song that has a history with it and a legend around it, um, and they're choosing to go out, they may attach themselves to that legend. It's the last big thing they can do. Yeah. Become part of the legend around that song. Yeah, their last rabbit fame as they take themselves out. I mean, there's a lot of fandom. I think there's a lot of fandom when a song's very, um, very prominent in in something in like the organization of a suicide. Like if the song, if it's it's been picked for a reason, and you know, blah 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 blah. You know, I think in, in situations like that, I think it has to do with a fandom, an obsessed fandom in a way. And then when it comes to that regard, where I do feel like. Um, you know, it's a little. De- it could be just a little deeper than a song, um, and that they would feel like. When I think of uh, crazy fandom people, I think of like, um, you know, these people that try and kill. You know, the, pe- the lady that killed Selena. You know, I remember the the Bjork. You remember the Bjorks, um, the dude who tried to kill Bjork in the nineties. No, that's a horrifying thing. Where there's this dude. You want to get into some creepiness, dude. There's this dude that was a super duper crazy fan of Bjork, who is this uh, like pop singer from fucking the UK or something like that. I forget where exactly she's from. Not from America. She's not from America, but she's from somewhere. Pop singer, um, big fan base. Some dude fell in love, um, super fanned out. Um, did this manifesto, this like eight hour manifesto videotape where he kind of documented him building this bomb that it was like a gift. And when you, when you open the door on it, like sulfuric acid was supposed to pour out into your lap and like really fuck you up and the whole thing. So what he did is he, he built this bomb videotaped the whole deal, videotaped the process of him doing it. Um, and then he mail, he went out he mailed the bomb out, came home and then shaved his head, shaved off all his hair. He put on face makeup to look like her in one, on one of her fucking albums, which was like one of the creepiest imageries of all time. Um, he has a cardboard poster, which I wish I owned, even though it's probably cursed, Ray. Um, he had this cardboard thing that said the best of me, um, 
a white cardboard thing that he was playing to blow his brains all over, okay, called The Best of Me, all right? We're going down a dark tale here. This is really laid out, you know what I mean? Um, long story short, he, in the last video or whatever, um, and who puts these videos online? I want to know what the fuck that's all about. So he, he's, he, he, in the last video, they get, he has this song that he wanted to go out on, and he's like psyching himself up. And he's all made up. His head's fucking freshly shaved. He looks like a cult fucking, like a weird cult victim. Um, and at the end of the song, he waits for like the big, there's like a big chorus thing and he psychs himself up. And then at the right moment, he, you know, pops himself. Um, the, the craziest part about this pop is that he uses like a 22, I think. And you're a gunman, so you know. The, how, how much of a bad idea that is in a situation suicide is a terrible idea to begin with don't nobody should ever fucking do it it's awful sad uh definitely um permanent problem to a temporary solution to go back to junior high hearing that stuff like it really is whether you're in high school and getting picked on like when you get out of high school you're never gonna see those people again don't worry about it it just feels like forever now but it's not going to be it. And, it, you know, if you're an adult and you're hating your life, you always have the opportunity to change it no matter what. You know what I mean? Uh, I just wanted to have that public service announcement in there. So he, this dude pops himself with the 22. And the crazy part is you can actually see the fucking, you can see his head, the piece of his skull, like lift up under his skin, but it's not powerful enough to fucking blow, you know, go through. So you can see the bump. And, like, the look on this dude's face is just, like, the most ultimate I fucked up look of all time. It's like the, it's like, the, it's like that you look up, you look up the I fucked up look and the definition, you get a shot of this dude's face. And, like, it's horrifying because he just scrambled his fucking head, you know what I mean? He died and he goes down and it was, it was, it was small caliber. So, like, it scrambled his fucking head up. He didn't die because it didn't do enough damage. He died later, but it wasn't like, I'm sure he was hoping for that quick finish. Um, and who's to say it's a quick finish to begin with, even when it looks like it. Um, again, suicide's never the fucking appropriate answer. And um, he hits the dirt. And this dude, I've never heard so much fucking, it's, it, it sounded like, like somebody was just dumping buckets on this guy's rug. It was fucking horrifying. The, the, you know, in all my days of watching gruesome shit I shouldn't watch, there's two sounds and they're always blood. And the audio is always crisp, like fucking George Lucas mixed it in fucking Skywalker Ranch. It always sounds fantastic. <laughs> and it just, it's like buckets upon, it's like fucking buckets. It's like if you were laying down next to the shining fucking elevator when all that blood came out of it, I assume that's what it would sound like. Um, just horrifying stuff. But yeah, so like stuff like that, with a situation like that, where like these super fans get super fucking they lose their minds and they get crazy. And the songs then play uh, drastic, super important roles in their suicide, where the their their suicides almost dedicate like sacrificing their life to the song and the artist in a way. You know what I mean? Well, the other thing too is when you get these super fans. Yeah. Um, okay, obviously the super fans—they're looking or they need something. There's yeah, something else yeah. lacking in their life. Uh, there are stories in certain Aboriginal cultures that uh, people who survive trauma when they're young children, and not necessarily physical, it's mostly emotional trauma, are left open because they never heal properly. And that is open to the other side of the world's spirit world and influences. Mm -hmm. 
So if you if you if that were to hold true, when these people grow up, and let's say they do become the super fans, then there is something there for the music, the words, or even evil to access in that brain that never healed, that brain that never uh, grew and protected itself or matured, that emotional part of them that's wide open from childhood. Now you have someone who is putting out these songs and you have this person who is searching for something in life and feels incomplete. They become the super fan. And uh, when that combination gets together, then you do get, uh, and this is going back to the possibility of evil influencing, whether it be the writers, the performers, or uh, just overall driving that person who is vulnerable over to that, to take them out of society. Because the flip side of being vulnerable in that way from childhood is they have the, they also have the most potential to become whether it be in, in Aboriginal cultures, uh, shamans or the people that see the light or the people that do good because their, their energy and their mind is expanded, expands wider. It's not closed. So they can tap into the good. So evil wants to kind of grab them and take them out first. And they can, the evil can do that through the, the music and the songs. It can take them out so that this person doesn't grow into something greater than uh, their, ne- their negative negativity and become something that can help other people. Okay? Evil doesn't want other people helped. It wants to destroy. Yeah. So it lures that person into that song, those lyrics, that culture where they find something, uh, where they're going to end their life. And uh, evil wins. Do you think so? Do you, do you think these songs can be cursed, though? Do you think that, like Gloomy Sunday? Do you think if a person was to just sit in a dark room and listen to Gloomy Sunday for three days straight, do you think they would kill themselves? Like if they over, over, overdose on? You think there's an energy within that song? Like it's not just it's not it's deeper than sad lyrics, deeper than there's some sad piano and riffs. You think there's something actual, diabolical, and evil within that song, within the feel that comes with that song, something latched onto that feel, knowing that people are going to accept it in. Do you think that there's an actual entity there that that, that would be trouble? I think it could be put there, or it could have attached to it. It could have attached itself. Yeah. And we'll use that song against the vulnerable. So it could build, though. I kind of know you. You 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 already you did already answer this, and I didn't ask it the second time. I didn't ask it good, but you answered it enough for me to say, "Cool." But do you think that it would build with sadness? Like the more people that like a body count, you think they would eventually start to build a body count to these songs? That that the amount of people actually start is such an overwhelming amount of people that are doing it that it actually starts to break into the energy. F- force and make just actually make this a big snowball of like negative energy that this song is trouble if this if, if there's a person who is contemplating and they hear this song that it actually that it realistically does spark something in their head that goes the times come do you think that, that that's an actual thing i think it's an actual thing i think the negativity or the evil will feed will feed on the energy of the hurting 
And as lives are given over to it, it takes that energy and it takes some of that power and then it grows. Yeah. And then it just continues to grow and uh, grab more victims. Yeah, because a lot of these songs that are a lot of, well, you know, like Free Bird's a song that can both have the, the, the sadness and maybe the happiness that comes with it. You know what I mean? But a lot of these songs like Gloomy Sunday is just straight sadness. You know what I mean? Like there wouldn't be no good vibes floating around that. You know what I mean? It's all, it's all kind of bad news. You know what I mean? So it would, yeah. it would snowball effect of negative energy. It's kind of yeah. scary when you think about it. But it is out there. It's just the same thing that let's say um, there are positive songs. And you, again, if you go back to, um, different well it doesn't even have the aboriginal you can take it later on you take something like gregorian chants yeah i know that um if i listen to them they're uplifting yeah now granted they're prayers in the in the uh form of of a song but i don't even have to understand them right they just have that positive attached their origin is positive and i i can find i find them uplifting even if i'm down because that is embedded not only in the music and in the words, even if, like I said, even if I don't understand them, if they're in another language. Um, but it is an energy, a positive energy there that it, the song carries and it just uh, grows. And that could be with any sort of sacred music. And if that can happen with, the, with, the, with sacred music and uh, positive music, then why can't the negative or the evil latch onto and grow with the negative music or yeah. with the, uh, like uh, you said, the uh, songs that advocate um, taking one's life or doing evil, taking another life. Yeah. You take a positive song, that, that song, that spirit in the sky song. That I got a friend in Jesus, dude. That that song's like the greatest. That's such a motivational song to get going. You can you could do. I could like as a filmmaker, I could see that song behind anything. You know what I mean? It's just and it would be like if it was ironic or if it was perfectly fit, it would just be like perfect. You know, I, uh, I caught myself listening to that song the other day, and I, I forgot how much I really dig that. And the riff to it's so fucking great. You know what I mean? I got I got three more songs. Um, you know, I got pledging my love. I have that in there. Uh, very sad song, beautiful song. I find beautiful songs and sad songs, almost one and the same. Um, now the, the, the deal with this is the, the suicide ties to this aren't really suicide, but whenever I can bring up pledging my love, I always have to, because everybody should listen to it, uh, at least once a week. But, uh, Johnny Ace, the singer, um, you know, he was backstage. Uh, I think they might have been having fun. I believe there were some ladies back there and some other singers. And uh, his whole deal is he, he grabbed a gun that he thought was empty and, you know, playing games, put it up to his head, pulled the trigger, found out that it was not empty the hard way. Um, so, like, I, th I feel that has, like, weird a suicidal vibe to it now. In a situation like that where a dude's cut down in his prime, the question is, do you think that, the loss of his life would do anything would impact that song, the energy of that song, like him, him almost entering that song in a way, energy wise. Not necessarily. I mean, if someone didn't know the backstory, yeah, they might not find the sound, the song bad at all. And it might not right. affect them that way. 
Um, you could, I mean, if you're a pessimist, you could say that the, if the song is beautiful, something in, used his carelessness to take him out so he didn't make more beauty. Yeah. It's true. It's true butane. Butane. We call it butane. Uh, the last two songs I have on here, um, you know, we got the Ozzy Osbourne song, Suicide Solution. Um, and the Judas Priest song, Better By You, Better Than Me. Um, I saved these two songs for the end because they have quite a coincidence with them, which is that they both, um, the supposed lyrics within them caused teenagers to commit suicide, supposedly. And they both had to almost go, they both had to go on trial, not almost. They both had to go on trial for it. Um, you know, 1990, you know, we'll start with Judas Priest real quick. Um, you know, in 1990, uh, in the middle of 1990, Judas Priest was involved in a civil action uh, that alleged uh, they were responsible for the 1985 suicide attempts of 20-year-old James Vance and 18-year-old Ray Belknap of Reno, Nevada. I thought they died, actually, so I'm not on top of my game. On uh, December 23rd, 1985, Vance and Belknap, right before Christmas, huh? Right, became intoxicated before going to a playground at a Lutheran church in Reno. Belknap placed a 12-gauge shotgun under his own chin and proceeded to fire the weapon, dying instantly. Oh, so he, they did die. I thought so. Um, dying instantly, Vance followed but survived the self-inflicted gunshot wound with the severely disfigured face. He died three years later. Um let me guess. I don't think he died of natural causes three years later, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go take that. Well, we I could take that. Uh, take that leap of faith. Very sad shit. Horrifying stuff. Um, sadly, I knew uh, a gentleman who attempted and didn't. Uh, it didn't work. And luckily for him, um, he only had like a. You know, I really don't want to get into it too deep, but he really only had a small scar on his face that you couldn't really even tell what happened. Um, and it's one of those weird things in life. But he wanted to go. He put a gun in his mouth. He pulled the trigger. And he just, out of complete luck or whatever you call it, it bounced off his jawbone and went out his cheek. And it didn't kill him. It, it, it's quite a, the world's a crazy place. The world is a crazy fucking place sometimes, you know what I mean? Um, but yeah, that sucks that, you know, this whole deal's kind of sad. I think it's just kind of kids that are messed up, you know what I mean? Um, there might've been a little something more there, you know, maybe they were a little, maybe I almost get a Heather's vibe from it where it was on these two dudes that maybe, maybe, were, you know, maybe loved each other and knew they weren't going to be accepted. You know, they're rock and roll kids. They probably weren't being accepted already in school. So it'd be more hate, you know what I mean? And uh, I think they just kind of said, you know what, forget about it. Um, later in life, the two other kids wouldn't do Columbine. And uh, instead these two killed themselves. Um, horrifying deal. Um, that first dude under the chin, no problem, pop, gone. You know, whenever I hear about people doing that, it's so, so, so 
was so out of like jumping off, like jumping off the cliff. It's so crazy. Cause it's just like, it's so unknown, so to speak. You know what I mean? And it's when people, whenever you hear or see or whatever, something about it just naturally happening, you know what I mean? Like, I would assume it would be hours and hours of sitting there just wait, waiting. You know what I mean? Um, but when people do, whenever I, when people do it like real quick, like they don't even think about it. You know what I mean? I always find that like mind blowing. Uh, no pun intended. So Vance's parents and their uh, legal team, headed by Nevada attorney Ken McKenna, sub, uh, sub, subsequently alleged that the subliminal message of "Do It" had been included in the song. Uh, they alleged the, the command in the song triggered the suicide attempt. The three-week trial was watched closely uh, by the music industry and constitutional lawyers. In a pretrial motion, the judge ruled that subliminal messages were incapable of being protected speech under the First Amendment of the United States Constitution. Since they were, uh, by definition, not noticeable and thus could not form part of a dialogue, Timothy Moore, who testified on Judah Priest's behalf, stated that the plaintiffs led by McKenna achieved a a major victory in getting the case to the trial in the first place. The case was dismissed with the finding that any subliminal messages within the recording should, um, should they actually exist, were not responsible for the suicides. The lawsuits cost the band uh, approximately 250000 in legal costs, and the judge ordered CBC, CBS to pay 40000 to the plaintiff, since the label did not provide master tapes to the stained, uh, stained glass uh, to Vance's lawyers, which stained glass was the name of the album that the song was on. Um, you know, that kind of, like right now we're dealing with a weird thing with, um, you know, with the with, with 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 the Trump, like not to get political, of course, because we hate that shit. But right now we're even dealing with like a weird thing where they're trying to get uh, old Donald Trump president um, impeached because I guess he told people to go into um, the state house there and uh, cause ruckus, and then somebody died. Uh, I don't know. It's a weird deal. Whenever somebody says something and. People do it. It's a weird vibe to ride because, you know, think of all the times people are told to do stuff. They don't do stuff. You know what I mean? Um, it's weird. The whole thing's weird. You know what I mean? Uh, it come, the, the fact that something happened is a big, a big part of that problem. But to go back to, we'll go back to this a little bit more, you know. One of the defense witnesses, Dr. Timothy E. Moore, later chronicled that in the trial in an article from Skeptical Inquirer, uh, Inquirer magazine. The trial was also the subject of a 1991 documentary entitled Dream Deceivers, the story beza- behind James Vance and Judith versus Judas Priest. I would actually like to watch that doc. In the documentary, Judas Priest vocalist Rob Halford commented that if the band were so inclined to insert subliminal messages, commands uh, into their music, Messages commanding their fans to kill themselves would be quite counterproductive from the band's perspective. It would be much more practical to insert a command to buy more of our records regarding um, the the plaintiff's assertions to the statement of do it was a command to commit suicide. Um, That's a very good point. 
You know what I mean? I mean, a band doesn't want you, you know, a band doesn't want you. Why would a band want you dead? You know, unless it was a circumstance that we talked about where it was some type of weird, occult, satanic, you know, trying to make a deal type type situation. But for the most part, yeah, who wants their fan? They're buying their fan base that's paying their bills to, to, to kill themselves, you know. I think they were really just reaching. I think they were going for, <clears throat> they were just kind of really reaching in the dark around this time to, to, to get them, you know what I mean? The rock and roll was really the bad guy, and all these rock stars were really like kind of the bad dudes, you know. Um, you know, so we got, we also got, you know, the controversy with the Suicide Solution, the Ozzy Osbourne song. Um, on November 1st, 1985, a lawsuit against Osborne and CBS records, CBS caught a lot of fucking heat. And that, that, that chunk of time, um, was filed by the parents of John McCoolum, a teenager who committed suicide allegedly after listening to the song. The plaintiffs, however, failed to prove that Osborne had any responsibility for the teenager's death. The plaintiff's attorneys alleged that uh, that a line in the song stated, why try, get the gun and shoot. Uh, lyricist Daisley and Osborne himself both claimed uh, that the line actually says, get the flaps out. Flaps, they insisted, was an English vulgar slang term for vagina or vagina, depending where you're from. Um, Don Arden... Black Sabbath's former manager and the father of Sharon Osbourne, fun fact, is on the record as having said the song's controversial lyrics. To be perfectly honest, I would be doubtful as to whether Mr. Osbourne knew the meaning of the lyrics. If there was any meaning, because his command of the English language is minimal. Um, yeah. So, yeah, it's weird, you know, the whole deal. Um, I think it's, you know, people often forget that, um, we're talking, we're going back to the, the, the eighties and, uh, uh, the nineties and such. And you're typical, even nowadays, you know, maybe even more so nowadays could be kind of a little more because rock and roll ain't the thing, but like when you were a rocker back in the day, it was a different type of thing. You were, it was, um, you know, I really, I felt like in that jo- jocks kind of ran the high school. That was just kind of how it went. So your, your, your rocker, your stoner type crowd, um, although they were cool with uh, amongst themselves, and I always think that the jocks were a little jealous of them. I think they were never really. Uh, I think they were always a little, you know, outcasted. You know, still outcasted, and so the idea, the idea that these teenage kids these big rock fans that they're killing themselves like it's very common you know it's 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 teenage suicide it's terrible you know what i mean it's awful and unfortunately it's just one of those things it's a tough time in a teenager's life you know stuff you know they get misguided and get caught up in their depression and stuff and they feel like you know that's the way to to, to do what it's not but they just feel kind of hopeless and i think that at that age almost being a little outcasted by what they liked, you know, maybe the way they looked, um, you know, I felt it could have been easier to make that decision, even though I don't think it was the right decision. Um, you know, I don't ever think that's the right call. Um, 
but it's one of those things, you know, uh, the family's going after the, the musicians, of course, they're grieving, they want answers, you know, unfortunately, in a lot of circumstances like that, people can't kind of own up to their, their part in the problem, you know what I mean? So they're kind of looking for other people to throw that blame on. That's kind of happened to musicians for as long as time. Because they, they do influence the kids because their kids flock to their entertainment. Um, but yeah, I, you know, I never really, you can't really, you can't blame an artist on the effect that their art has, you know, if they were putting out albums and, and, and everybody that bought this album was going out and killing themselves or going out and going crazy and rioting and burning down their city and stuff, then I'd say, you know, maybe we got a problem. Maybe we should take a look at this album and see what, what exactly is going on here and then take the pro- appropriate actions at that point. But for the most part, yeah, I don't think so. And I'll even, there's even, there's art that's really fucked up that I don't, I think's kind of trash and garbage and shit. And I don't fuck with it, but like they have every right to do it because art's art, you know, at the end of the day, you, you, you kind of jive with what you jive with and you don't jive with, with the shit you don't like. And I think it's the kind of same thing with that, you know, and unfortunately, you know, they're there with with music, with any music, you know, teens are always going to kind of flock to music that draws emotion because it's a very emotional time. Um, and it's, you know, some people music hits them in different ways. Some people it can just be background, not important. Some people it can be the soundtrack to their life. You know, I'm very musical. I have I have different formats of music, a lot of music. I love it. Then you take a gentleman that we both know and love, Alex Hawk. I don't think that dude owns a single fucking album of anything. You know what I mean? And and he's happy not doing it, not, you know, and that's fine. And that's completely cool. You know, it's just different. So like that dude's not going to be, that dude isn't going to be affected by music, you know, the same way maybe someone like me would be affected by it where I, it's more a part of my life. You know what I mean? Um, so in that sense of it, but even the people that really get into it, like, I don't think like there'll be songs that, might make me feel sad or something. I'll get a vibe from it because it's supposed to, but I've never listened to a song that's just like made me want to fucking jump off the roof. You know what I mean? I don't think that's real. I think that's just, I think that's probably a bunch of kids that didn't have the right guidance in their life that had hard times at school. Um, there are, they were drunk. They were starting to, they were starting to, you know, experiment with different things. Um, and, you know, when you're very drunk, it's very easy to do stupid things, you know. So it makes sense that they got intoxicated before they did what they did because – and maybe that's why that kid just did it so quick. And it, things like that are so weird where you have a friend and you you build up this whole like, – it's almost a fantasy world that you build with this kid of, oh, we're going to do this. We're going to get back at everybody for treating us so bad. And it sounds great when you talk about it, you know what I mean? You're like, yeah, they'll learn. They'll learn they should have been cool to us. And then when you get there, you're like, I don't really want to do this. But this other, my best friend, I hyped him up so much. He's fucking ready to go. And realistically, that other dude's probably just as scared as he was. And they fucking just, he was like, fuck it. They didn't want to let down the other one. That's the fucking darkness of it. Like, they probably talked about it and said, yeah, um, what are the, you know, why don't we teach them a lesson if we did this? Why don't we teach our parents a lesson? And they're like, yeah, we would, we would, we would. 
and it, it was slowly might have started off as something that was almost just like something to release tension, you know, like, oh, I say this because it's so dark, I say it that I just feel better, you know. Um, and then eventually more saying it, more saying it, eventually it becomes realer and realer. And it's now it's not so shocking in your mind of something that happening and it's getting more comfortable. You're leaning more into that darker and darker place. Like I said, then you show up that night, they're getting drunk, you know, and you, you don't want to let down that other person. And it's weird, man. Who's to say what really happened? You know what I mean? Nobody really knows but them. Um, and imagine the fucking guilt, dude, like that, that, that dude that died three years later, imagine the pain that dude, I feel bad thinking about the pain that dude felt because not only does he, did he fuck up his face? He has a best friend that he agreed to go through with this thing with that. He, he didn't go through with him with it. You know what I mean? Like that, even if the dude's face wasn't messed up, you know what I mean? The whole fact of making that pact with his friend and the friend going and him not going like that's a lot to weigh in on somebody. You know what I mean? Sad stuff. Uh, rest in peace, rest in peace to everybody. Uh, everybody caught up in anything. Suicide people that commit suicide in general, everybody we talked about, you know, on the show, very sad stuff. You know, this is a gloomy episode a little bit, but sometimes life gets gloomy, gloomy tunes. Um, so it is what it is, but I don't, yeah, I don't vibe with blaming the artist. What do you think, Ray, on the old blame the artist deal? I don't think it's, you necessarily blame the artist. Um, when we looked at some of the earlier songs, there's a potential there for whether, whether you want to call it cursed or a momentum an evil momentum uh, to build and, uh, take over vulnerable people. Yeah. If you if you start talking about the teenagers, let's say you know in the uh, that where they went to trial, and the perfect ex- example, I mean, you use like uh, the person who died in the Capitol thing yeah. as, as far as politics goes. You know, one side is screaming a whole bunch of facts; the other side is screaming a whole bunch of facts. Each one is calling the other liar. And uh, it just goes round and round and round. Now, where if you go back to the teenagers, number one, if there was a problem at home, and most likely there was, yeah. her parents are in denial and they're taking yeah. it to court. Right. They're taking right. it to court there. The other thing is the newspapers themselves are saying, oh, look at the music did this. I want to know how many jocks, how many athletes who didn't get that scholarship kill themselves mm. without music or, or right. how many at, um, academics that didn't get into the college or that failed um, after getting pressure their whole life to succeed, kill themselves. Yeah, that's a did great the, point. Did the, yeah. did the books do it? Did the sports do it? Did the coach do it? Did the parents do it? Because they drove the kids so hard to an impossible standard yeah. that death was actually better than life. Yeah, it's a very complex thing. We will not know all of the factors, but to just point a finger and say, "Oh, uh, like in politics, oh, it's that elected figure," or "Oh no, it's that musician," yeah. "Oh no, it's that song," it's a lot more complex. It can be anything from personalities to situations, situ- situations the person lives in, pressures in life, 
And yes, among all of that, you have the influence, whether it's evil people or evil forces manipulating situations and people to make a bad situation even worse. Yeah. Yeah, it's crazy, this thing. That was very well put, Ray. I agree with that 110. So, uh, yeah, I think I think we covered... We covered a good amount of stuff here. Um, we got another long episode for the folks. But um, so I think we came to the, 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 the equips that, yes, we do think that there's certain songs out there that have developed almost at a snowball effect, bad energy. Um, we also think that there are certain people that might have orchestrated bad energy into their music for some type of evil uh, gain, whether, you know, whether it be some type of deal or just, you know, certain, you know, there's certain, certain um, sounds and volumes and vibrations can put you in almost a trance like state that would make you kind of buy whatever, believe or do whatever, you know what I mean? So um, putting that in your music to make sure that they buy their next record is definitely something I could see them doing. And with the money being made, in the music business, I would not be surprised if they were pulling voodoo and all types of crazy occult shit to try and make more money. And the music business goes way back. And they've probably been through way dark times, kid, way dark times. So I think that, yeah, I think we agree that it's very possible for people to put some bad stuff in their songs and it's very possible for, you know, bad energy to cling on like anything could cling on to things. Um, and um yeah suicide is not painless it hurts everybody involved so with that you know with that being said um yeah you know i guess i guess uh be cautious of what you listen to because you never know what's attached to it. The same way we talk about go to the Dollar Tree or go to well, the Dollar Tree is safe. But you go to the go to the flea, you go to the flea market and get yourself something used. You know, you never who had it, never knew who had it before you. So you got to be careful. It's the same deal with music. You never who was listening to it before you. You never who was putting what energy into it. I guess I assume. Um, but yeah, very hot, very, uh, very, uh, I guess hot, hot in a, hot in a cold way, uh, subject, you know, the suicide thing's interesting. You know what I mean? Darkness goes back again. would like to say, you know, anybody out there listening, very dark theme, but we do not support suicide here. Mostly ghostly. We, you, you wait your time to become a ghost and you don't go early. If you go early, you get caught up in the matrix. You don't want that. Um, high schoolers out there, kids in school, say it one more time. Kids in school, if you're hating high school and hating school, it'll be over soon. When high school's over, you never, the only time you'll ever see those people again is if you choose to go to a high school reunion or if you choose to accept their fucking friend request on Facebook. That is the only time you'll ever see these people again. Yes, uh, that, that, that's it. So don't let some fucking Joe Schmo idiot fucking ruin your life or end it early for you. You know what I mean? Um, it does get better. You know, just wait it out. It sucks. I know it can suck for sure. 
but it ain't the end of the road. And life really is what you make of it. You always have the opportunity to change. It gets older when you're, you know, out of, out of, out of school and all that, out of, you know, out on your own, it gets, you know, and uh, it also gets harder sometimes, you know, uh, but there's always an opening and it's not suicide. Hey, if you're in high school and you're getting down about things, just remember when you go to college, then the real partying starts. So you got something to look forward to. You got something to look forward to. Yeah. You go to college, you meet a whole new group of people. You know what I mean? That you can forget about, you can forget about them four years later too. Exactly, you know what I mean. Life's all about picking and choosing the people you want in it. You know. I got my fifty-second high school reunion coming up. I ain't going again. I've never been to a high school reunion. I just don't find a purpose in it. We have Facebook nowadays. If anybody wants to talk to me, reach out. I keep. I look at it this way. I'm always looking forward, not backward. Yesterday is backward. I'm looking at tomorrow. I look thinner in my profile picture. So we'll just go with that. We'll go with that world. Um, but yeah, yeah, very fucking, very, very somber and heavy episode uh, today, but it's good. Um, and uh, a lot was discussed. Very interesting stuff. I've, I've wondered this for a while, what exactly the, the vibe was with it. Um, because, you know, there is a lot of latching on with stuff like that. And some of these songs, man, I can only imagine the body counts that have racked up over some of these songs. You know what I mean? That just become anthems to people's lives, you know, anthems to people's moods. You know what I mean? People will like it. People will, if people want to get happy, they, they know exactly what to play. They want to get in a sad vibe. They know exactly what to play. That's going to turn them on or off. You know what I mean? Uh, music's very powerful. So I've wanted to kind of tap into this for a while about, you know, the, the entity, that powerful entity that is music, having uh, attachments to that because you, you, you know, you accept music right into your heart, right in, you hear that song you love, you open your doors right up to that. You let that come right in and swish around your body, like gold dust everywhere, beautiful vibes. And it might just have, you know, look what the cat drug in, you know, you never know. You might catch something you don't want floating around when it leaves, when the tune's over, when the music's over. So yeah, there's, part, yeah. there's something you gotta, you gotta, there's something you gotta remember. Right, you can you can turn that music and that vibe off. It's true. If your you know choice, it's, it's always your choice. Always, you know. It's all about choices and decisions. We're wasting everybody's time at this point. So, everybody, we told you the important stuff. I'm not going to sing terribly for you. Um, if you feel brave, go listen to the songs. If you don't want to listen to the songs. I don't blame you. All right, we'll see y'all in the next episode of Mostly Ghostly. Ghostly.